Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're watching Aquafina is Nora from Queens on Comedy Central, Party of Five on Freeform, Avenue Five on HBO, 68 Whiskey on Paramount Network, and Star Trek Picard on CBS All Access. So stay tuned to the end to find out how we're going to get BJ to space. And just as a heads up, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Podcorn. So before we talk about how I'm going to get to space, let's go to Queens and talk about Aquafina is Nora from Queens. That is our first sitcom from Aquafina. She's reintroducing herself as Nora, the Golden Globe winner. And we're getting a look at an exaggerated version of her. She's in this show, nearing 30, is a bit aimless in life, doesn't have a job, is relying on her friends and her family for support. And we're watching her navigate that journey of finally finding some sort of stability, hopefully. Yeah, we really see her with a rough start. We find out she's a hoarder and she's just trying whatever she can to make it on her own. How do you feel about seeing someone try and build themselves up? I wonder if this is at all her interpretation of her own life before becoming the success that she is. I think in the show title, including both Aquafina and Nora, is her telling us, I'm this talented and successful actor now you will take me seriously i don't know if this is her winking at her past it reminds me of mindy kaling putting her name in the mindy project Mm. and taking things from her own life or like rel and so i think this is her actually showing us how confident she as a person really is even though the character nora may lack some of that confidence How did you feel about the people around her? So we have her dad, who is played by Zaddy B.D. Wong, her grandma, who is played by Lori Tan Chin, her best friend, who is played by Makita Ducklet, and her cousin, played by Bowen Yang. How did you feel about that crew? I have mixed feelings about them. I will say my favorite was her longtime high school friend, Shanice. You always love the friend that has it all together. I don't know if she really has it all together. I mean, compared to every other person on the show, I think the only person doing better is grandma because she's just living her best life. True. And I will say I really did appreciate the bond and connection that Nora has with her dad and grandmother. Their comfort level around each other was pushing my limits and buttons. But there truly is love in that household. And I like seeing that. It was especially funny as someone who used to watch a lot of Law & Order SVU, her dad, B.D. Wong, plays someone so laid back with a baseball cap on and cursing. I've only seen him as a serious person. He's also on Gotham and Mr. Robot in similar roles. It was funny to see him let his hair down figuratively. What did you think of Aquafina stretching her comedy props when she was an Uber driver, when she tried to be a cam girl? Overall, in the comedy of the show, I get that they're going for a lot of different hijinks through her different roles. I didn't find any of the interactions particularly funny. The ones that were funniest to me were in the home. And I read this incredible Time Magazine article about the woman who plays grandma and her life and her journey to getting on the show. And she talked about how a lot of the scenes in the home were improv. And I believe that because they just felt more natural and funny to me, whereas I'm not sure if the Lyft driver and other scenes were also improv or what was going on there. But it just didn't feel as naturally funny. It felt like contrived situations as if a 
group of people sat down and thought, okay, what's the funniest thing she could be in? And then instead of trying to make it make sense for the show, they just tried to come up with absurd scenarios. Yes, I think the scenarios didn't work that well, but anything involving her family was more natural. There was a good flow there. And even when they were outside the home, there's a moment where Nora and her dad are in the car together talking. He's telling a very strange story. But I think even those moments of just her having a family member character to bounce off of worked well. Agreed. I do want to shout out Bowen Yang on the show. He is so talented as the snooty cousin. And while I think you and I were talking about this, BJ, he's often relegated to this role of snooty person, but he plays it well. And if you haven't seen his videos lip syncing iconic movie moments, strongly recommend his lip syncing of Miranda Priestly from Devil Wears Prada on Twitter. And last tidbit before we go into our rating, something you'll notice in this episode and another show we're going to watch is Bad C. CGI flames. Ooh, talk about it. All right, Beach, what would you rate Aquafina is Nora from Queens? <sighs> this is tough, me too. I'm going to rate it, would not watch again, but I really do like Aquafina, so I'm rooting for her anyway. She and her black scent. I hope she goes far. <laughs> I personally think I'll probably give the show a few more episodes. Sometimes shows take a second to develop. You don't always hit it out of the park with the pilot episode. But I agree that this wasn't that strong an opening. There's definitely potential there. You can let me know if it reaches that potential in the next episode. Okay, well, speaking of family tragedies, let's take it to the extreme with Freeform's Party of Five. Beej, you want to set that one up for us? Sure. So this is actually a remake, reinterpretation of a previous show with the same title. And then here we're looking at the Acosta family, Javier and Gloria. And then they have their five kids, Milo, Lucia, Beto, Valentina, and Rafael. And in the beginning of the episode, there is an ice raid and Javier and Gloria are put in a detention facility and are going to be deported. And so now these five kids have to deal with the stress and trauma of their parent being taken away. And with four of them being minors, they have to figure out how are they going to take care of themselves. In the original premise, the parents died in a car accident and the same co-creators, Amy Lippman and Christopher Reiser, co-created this show and the original. And they brought in a third person, Michael Zabede, to co-write the first episode. And Rodrigo Garcia directed most of the episodes. So a lot of Latinx voices were involved behind the camera as well as in front of the camera, which is cool for this story. So what did you think of their approach to what's a very hot topic in today's news with ICE raids, deportation, DACA, immigration status? These are hotbed issues that are woven into the story. So I love that they're actually not treated like hotbed issues. There isn't often, except for the few times that Lucia jumps on her soapbox, which in the context of the show makes sense that a child after experiencing the trauma of having her parents taken away might rebel in a few different ways. So aside from Lucia's soapbox moments about immigration, it doesn't really preach to you. That's not the right language, but there's no discussion of larger policy. It's just hyper-focused on this family 
family and the interactions within this family and the effects on individual members. And I think that's what's most powerful about the show is it's telling the story. The best way to move people isn't to talk about boring policy and wonky things. It's to talk about how they'll be affected. If that's the point of the show, to talk about the distress that you can feel as a result of these ice raids, then I think they did a great job by hyper-focusing on this family. I agree. And you see a good example of that in the court case in this first episode, where this show is focusing on how are these children going to deal with this? How is this going to affect their lives, their perspectives, their futures? And we're just seeing their reactions, which I think is more interesting than the big picture of what this means for the country or something like that. The closest it got to policy was really smartly done. It was when the attorney for the parents tells the judge there is a rule in place that you reverse deportation orders if there is an abnormally harmful effect on the community. The parents own a restaurant that employs many members of the community and on the family. So these kids are going to be without a parent and all of these people are going to be without jobs and support. And the judge says that family separation and loss of jobs isn't an abnormality when it comes to these deportation orders. It's just business as usual. And so he couldn't grant the stay for the parents because these devastating outcomes are normal. And so I thought that was the closest they got to talking about specific policy and laws. And I thought that was really well done. Something else we need to talk about, which was well done, was how all the children and specifically Milo or Emilio, depending on who's talking to him, is taking this whole situation of having to raise his younger siblings. He's a musician. He can no longer pursue that. He needs to take over the family business. He needs to move back home from his apartment, raise his siblings so they're not separated by child and family services. And then we also see the siblings shift in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Beto was failing school, sort of a burnout, and he stepped it up in the weeks after his parents were taken away and started running the restaurant, still <laughs> skipping school, but this time to support his family. Lucia was a straight A student. She's Beto's twin. And now she is super rebellious and refuses to take orders because she has seen an institution fail her pretty tremendously. And so now, understandably, she has no faith in other institutions. And then Valentina, the youngest daughter, also steps up. She balances the family books. <laughs> the only person that hasn't changed is baby Rafa, except he's grown, which is the only critique I have of the show is that it fast forwards after the deportation and we see the effects of it on the kids. And I think it would have been interesting to see that happen in real time, like see Lucia's growth in to rebellion. So it's less annoying when you watch the show and more explained. And then same with the other siblings. We see Milo's growth. I think that would have been a powerful storytelling tool. I agree on that. One last thing I wanted us to talk about before we go into our ratings, because it's not all positive. I'll be honest, I really didn't like Javier, the father. He was very frustrating. And I was just shocked at his approach to the situation. It didn't feel as compassionate as I guess I would expect for the father figure or even just a parent. This is a dark example. But you know how they try to use 911 calls to say, oh, the person did it if they're calling it a murder or something because they're too calm or they're too hysterical Mm -hmm. or their reaction isn't right? Because we don't actually know how we would be in the moment until, like, God forbid, I don't even want to finish the sentence. Yeah. So in the same way, I have no idea what that is like, so I can't fully judge. But I did feel like 
he just tossed a lot at his older son, who we learn in the show is DACA, so can never see his parents in person again, because if he leaves, he can't come back. So that's a wrap. That's a good point. This is one of those situations where because it's a visual medium, we don't know what some of the characters are thinking. And that might help us understand them a lot more or maybe cut them some slack for things we think are too harsh or out of line. Agreed, because Lucia started to really annoy me. But if this were a book, I would probably be more sympathetic. You're so right, because I could read her thoughts. Mm -hmm. If only we were psychic. If only. Well, I think I am a little bit. Well talk about that off mic. <laughs> anyway, me too. What would you rate Party of Five on Freeform? This show is devastating. I want to say I would recommend it to our listeners and would watch again seriously. And I will finish the series. But I would recommend taking breaks because I sobbed watching this. It was just a lot. That's my rating. Take a break or you'll get stress headaches. But it's good. It's heavy. I think I'm a little more lukewarm. I'm going to go with would watch, not while doing laundry, but that kind of time frame where I have a little bit of downtime because one of the things is it's long. It's a one hour show, but it just felt really long because it's such a heavy story. That's true. It's emotionally draining. So I need to have dedicated time to watch an episode. Listeners, I watched this in the morning before work and I texted BJ to not watch it as his first show as a warning because it would be devastating. It ruins your mood for the rest of the shows. It really takes you down. Mm -hmm. But it makes you think. True. You know where there's no thinking? Where? On the cruise ship Avenue 5. That's facts. Beach, <laughs> let us know what happened on the Avenue 5. So we watched Avenue 5 on HBO. The name of the show is also the name of a space cruise ship. There's this whole industry, the Judd industry, where you can go on an eight-week cruise through our solar system. And we're introduced to some quirky characters, like our space captain, our head of passenger services, the actual Judd the owner of this company, one of our engineers. And it's just a very strange comedy. I don't know how else to describe it. It's difficult to describe the premise of the show without spoiling it a little bit. So if you don't mind a light spoiler, a dark twist happens and their trajectory shifts dramatically. And so what they thought was going to be an eight week trip is no longer that. It is, we're not sure yet, but likely much longer. And so how do you cope with that? How do you keep all of your customers happy that they are stuck on a ship a little longer than they planned? And some of these people have broken digital windows. Some of them plan to get a divorce. There was a lot of stressful things going on. I didn't know the premise, but I thought Hugh Laurie, love him, love Josh Gad, love Zach Woods, love these comedians. So this will be funny. And instead, it was really dark. In the opening moments, some dark things happened. I, for a moment, thought it was going to be a horror show. Me too. It was an unexpected twist. And maybe if you watched promos or something, you knew it was coming. But for us, out of nowhere. I don't know what HBO I was watching, but none of the previews I saw looked like this. But maybe that's the point, to knock you off guard like that ship. It works better as a surprise. But there are aspects that aren't dark, like one of the cruise ship passengers, whose name is Karen, and she's the exact same Karen that you're thinking of from the memes and videos. She's played by Rebecca Front. And she does whatever she wants. She's going to get her money back for whatever goes wrong. She's going to take a ticket, even if it's not hers, walk into a meeting if she's not invited. 
She reminded me of my mom in that respect, where my mother, I mean, she literally can't be a Karen, but if there is any discount to be had, my mother will make it happen. If she has a TJ Maxx coupon from six years ago, she will finesse that into some little <laughs> trinket that we can take away from TJ Maxx after shopping our little Maxinista hearts out. That is her superpower. And I have a lot of friends whose moms are like this. And so I think that drew me to Karen's character. There's a moment in the show where she discovers before many of the staff what went wrong because she just let herself into this VIP board meeting. And I respect that. She's got that hustle. She's got that drive. She literally does not believe anyone can stop her from doing what she wants. Hey, me too. How long have we been podcasting now? I don't know, like a year and a half, a couple years? And we've tried a lot of different sponsorship approaches. Have we? But I have to say my favorite has actually been Podcorn. So the Podcorn team truly understands that relationship between podcasters and sponsors. And Real Talk, their customer service is top notch. They emailed us back immediately with genuinely helpful information. Which if y'all have ever dealt with customer support, it's rare that those emails are helpful. With like real advice too. Yeah. And they make it so easy to discover other sponsorship opportunities so we can team up and make engaging content just like this. For all our fellow podcasters listening, consider partnering with the Podcorn team to improve your storytelling by engaging with sponsors and brands that are passionate about your content. Learn more at podcorn.com. Thanks, Podcorn. Thanks, Podcorn. And the inherent humor of the show is it's like an extreme version of Firefest, where a bunch of rich people are put together, they purchase tickets to this ill-fated adventure, and now they are stranded with limited food and resources. But a lot more food than Firefest. A lot more food than Firefest. And that little cheese sandwich with the pieces of lettuce in the corner and the slice of tomato, it will never not be funny to me. Mm -hmm. I think one other funny aspect were some of the one-liners. You had a favorite character who had some great lines. Zach Woods plays Matt Spencer on the show, who is the customer service rep for these very hoity-toity people. And there's a moment where he learns what the tragedy is on the ship and just laughs. And it's very difficult to laugh on cue and to make it funny. I think the best person who does it is Allison Janney. And I laughed right along with him because it was that laugh that we've all done where you're at the end of your rope and just another bad thing has happened and you can either scream and cry or you just go okay and that's what he did it was perfect and then you liked judd josh gad he's the kind of ceo boss whose first priority is stockholders period period bj's a city girl (laughs) one of my favorite lines that he had so after the big dark twist there's a mess that needs to be addressed and his question to his assistant was just like is the cleaning lady okay because it's going to be a late night for her yes and that ended up being (laughs) such a good callback because he had just bothered her at the top of the episode so beach what would you rate avenue five despite me enjoying some of the characters and the one-liners i think this really is a maybe would watch on an airplane that's a great one load up some episodes because it's a half hour show I agree. I didn't love the comedy in the first episode. I just thought more 
funny would happen. But again, like with Aquafina, maybe we can give it a couple more episodes to see if it improves. Otherwise, I think the best place to watch it is on a plane, train, not an automobile you're driving. Unless you're in the backseat. <laughs> Unless you're treating your friend who's driving you around like an Uber driver. Well, speaking of treating your friends questionably, let's talk about 68 Whiskey on Paramount Network. All right, Beach. what happens on 68 Whiskey? We are introduced to an army base in Afghanistan, and our main characters are Roback and Davis. They work on the medical team, so they're emergency medics going out into the field, giving vaccines, but also rescuing people. And the whole idea is we're seeing the daily lives of these deployed army medics. And so one cool thing that I think we can all relate to, because not all of us have army military experience is that they all have side hustles yes roback and davis try to get by on setting up fights for money someone literally dies over their side hustle which is the premise of the episode with rugs just you putting it that way from the perspective of he died side hustling Right. And one of them, Grace, is trying to be an Instagram model. Why not find a way to get a few extra dollars in your pocket? Everyone is just trying to get by. In the show, we learn that the army base that they're at is nicknamed the Orphanage. And it's not the main hospital base. In fact, they're questioned when they bring someone there to get medical attention. So this is kind of the island of lost toys, but set in an incredibly (laughs) violent environment with very high stakes. True. It's a set of misfits. And that brings up interesting relationship dynamics. We've already mentioned Roback and Davis being best friends. But Davis is also having an affair with Grace Durkin, who's actually dating Sasquatch. We also see tension between Roback and the main doctor, Holloway. Davis and Roback have a good friend, Alvarez, who goes through some issues when they were rescuing their friend, Buckley. You also have Petricelli, who has a connection to Buckley and now is drawn into side hustling. Even though everyone's very different and they don't belong, they've all found a way to well, the affair is not a good way to associate with someone, but they've all found a way <laughs> to intertwine their lives. You have to find connection and community. We can't be isolated people. No, definitely not when you're deployed overseas. You need other people. So if it's an affair or <laughs> a hashish hustle, you got to do what you got to do. And just punching people. That's not my ministry, but I've also never been deployed. So who knows how you pass the time and find community? Do whatever you got to do. One interesting part about the show is it's based on an Israeli TV series called Charlie Golf One. And a couple of the executive producers are Dream Team, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. Nice. Do you like any other Ron Howard joints? What was it? How the Grinch stole Christmas? That's a good one. The Jim Carrey version? Yeah. I think we all know I'm Andy Griffith Hive. Oh, you're going way back. (laughs) Ron Howard was a very good kid actor on that show. And then I would say he directed a movie I love called Cocoon. Never heard of it. It's very good. I'll take your word for it. So we see a lot of the side hustling and off the book actions. But what did you think of the scene where we see Roback and Davis giving vaccines to kids? I think they did that to humanize them. Exactly. I think that was a pretty blatant attempt until that moment. None of these people are, in my opinion, that likable. So I think that they have Roback giving expired but still effective vaccines to the kids, even though it's against the rules, just so we go, oh, he is a good guy. 
Isn't he? And last question, what was up with the goat? I don't know why the episode is called Buckley's Goat. Buckley doesn't interact with the goat. What was up with the goat? I don't know. What was up with the goat? Also, same bad fake fire CGI. If you watch the episode, scroll to the end for that fire at least. All right, Beach, what would you rate 68 Whiskey on Paramount Network? I would give 68 Whiskey a would watch again while doing laundry. I'm not completely sure where the story is going yet. So I think it would take another episode to even really see what direction they're going in. And for an hour-long show, maybe I'll get to that eventually while I'm doing something else. I'm not into war stuff, so I probably wouldn't watch again. If you like shows and movies about war and the military, then I think you might like this one. It was a little crass for my taste as well. It opens with a very aggressive sex scene, has like two or three more throughout the episode. But I wouldn't say it was bad. It just isn't my taste. I don't think it was good enough that I would delve into the genre just for this show. That's fair. You can't like everything. Can't like everything. So me too. Yes. You asked at the top of the show about me going to space. Yes. I don't want to go to space on Avenue 5. No. Sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to react that strongly, but I would never take an eight-week cruise, and I certainly wouldn't take one to space. But I might go to space with Picard. True. So let's talk about Star Trek Picard on CBS All Access. We meet Picard, who is retired. He's on Earth and he's having dreams of Data, the synthetic being who sacrificed his existence for Picard. Toward the beginning of the show, we see a lot of action, potentially some twists right at the top. And then we see him have an interview with a journalist who questions his departure from Starfleet and his feelings about Romulans who have been at war with humans in the past and synthetic beings who are now banned because of an attack that happened by synthetic beings on Mars. But of course, he's of a different mindset with regard to synthetic beings because of data. So in this episode, we see him encounter someone he learns is a synthetic being. And we watch him navigate that journey and that person's potential connection to data and what that means for the future of his retirement, for the future of our understanding about Romulans and synthetic beings, and the future of his dog, number one, who is a pit named Dinero. Because Patrick Stewart rescues pit bulls. I don't know why I'm not surprised that you know that. (laughs) (laughs) I googled Picard and then I don't know if it's because of my past Google searches, but it auto-filled Pitbull. I really was Googling for information on the backstory of Picard, but I was like, let me take a sidestep into Pitbull Town. And then I read about Patrick Stewart's history of rescuing dogs. I knew he rescued dogs. I didn't know he rescued specifically Pitbulls. And then the angel De Niro, who's on the show. Look at that. Star of the show. He really was a star of the show. So Beach, how did you feel about it? I thought it was an interesting start. Just thinking Star Trek, I immediately think space. Mm -hmm. So I was thrown off being at a French vineyard and very much early. Earth-based. But one thing I did like is there are timely topics. Nowadays, you're always hearing about artificial intelligence, machine learning, computers and robots taking our jobs. And this takes it to the next level since it's science fiction and has advanced future technology. So they ask the question, what does it mean to be alive, a person? What does it mean to have these synthetic life forms? And I think those are cool questions that not only fit well in the Star Trek universe, but 
but also are just thought-provoking topics. What I love about Picard is that it could have just been another remake cash grab by Patrick Stewart, but instead it's so responsibly done. So it considers those questions of humanity and beings and living. It considers those questions of technology and life and the intersections and what that means. And then I love that it inspires connection. One of the reasons he said that he left Starfleet is because Starfleet was no longer Starfleet. He disagreed with their decision to turn their backs on the Romulans when they needed help just because they had fought with the Romulans in the past. And you understand both sides in that if you warred with the place in the past, it would be difficult to then go save them. But I loved the perspective of focusing on connection and community in a very different way than they did on (laughs) 68 Whiskey. But I felt like that was responsible storytelling too, because all we hear is we're divided, divisive, divisive, but we don't have to be. And so I just love that he inspires that as well. Patrick Stewart is dope. Yeah, he makes those great connections and he's able to deliver it well. And that whole plot line even ties in well with the mystery of the story about a synthetic young woman who's very confused about what's going on with her as she has new memories and is discovering her past. There's actually a scene that reminded me of another show we reviewed, Treadstone, on USA Network, where she was literally activated. That's how they describe it. And now she has all these new abilities and can fight and defend herself. But then that just makes us as the audience members want to know, why do you know how to do that, but didn't know you knew how to do that? And why do you feel like you know Picard? And I love that Picard jumps into action. So while it is a little unrealistic that he wouldn't break everything, and I would break everything too, if I tried to do half the things that he does on the show, it was beautiful that at any age, you can still seek the truth. And I appreciated that in the show as well, because Picard at at one point to his companions on his vineyard goes, I'm not living, I'm waiting to die. Basically saying, I can't sit on the sidelines anymore. And I thought that was a powerful moment. And not to take away from that powerful moment, but I just have to ask, because this is something that crossed my mind. At any point, did you think Picard was hallucinating or maybe going a little senile with some of those dreams? I often thought that. In fact, you're telling me that that's not what it is? We don't know. It's not clear yet. Or their visions, if it's like a more supernatural element. (gasps) Is he synthetic? No, I don't think Picard is synthetic. Would he know? That's true. We don't know. But has he ever activated? I feel like he's been in enough high pressure situations to turn it on. I don't know. That brings up our next point, the future of this series. At the end of the episode, we also see a big tease about some other characters that are going to be introduced. And then after that, we saw the preview for the next episode, which looks like a very different show that is in space and has a lot more action. This whole first episode was on Earth, but I guess it's going to be the show that you and I, when we were talking about Picard, thought it was going to be from the beginning, (laughs) which is a space adventure in space. We just spent an hour setting that up, I guess. But I didn't mind the setup. And I loved all of the performances on this show. I loved the world building. I think that CBS All Access did this intentionally because they're reaching a wider audience. There is a huge Star Trek audience, but there are more folks like me who don't necessarily have the background. Every time we watch nerdy things, I talk about my partner. My partner is a huge Star Trek nerd. He loved it. And I loved it too. Once again, CBS knows what the majority likes. Let's talk about it. NCIS 
this space is what's happening next. Ooh, you might need to trademark that. Ooh, y'all don't take this idea from me. I think it's really good. Please. Remember when Bow Wow was on CSI Cyber or whatever? We could put him in space instead. <laughs> That's the new Bow Wow challenge. I think Elon Musk would be down for that. Quick shout out to Allison Pill. It was nice to see her again. I'm a big fan of hers only because of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. But she did a great job as the scientist in this show. Scientist to scientist, you shout her out. Yes, because she was being honest with Picard and was like, this is not possible. The answer is no. Yeah, that was a really good scene. And if we're doing shout outs, I also want to shout out the adorable moment that y'all need to look up on The View where Whoopi Goldberg was talking about how doing Star Trek was one of the highlights of her very long and incredible career. And Patrick Stewart offered her a spot on Picard and she got emotional and was cheesing so hard. And that's a woman who she's an EGOT. She's done it all. And so it was so cute to see her nerd out in joy over getting to be on the new show. Nice. Y'all got to watch that. Good feel good moment. Yeah. All right, Beach. what would you rate Picard? I would rate it would watch again casually. Mm -hmm. I don't see myself binging my way through this, but the preview got me interested in seeing the next episode. So I'm going to do that. Much like The Witcher, I think my rating between, again, you and my partner is a I have no choice. Whether I like it or not, I will watch more episodes of this show. But I'm excited about it. I think that they set it up so nicely. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And for fellow people like me who don't have a strong Star Trek background, but you're curious, you'll be able to understand this show and follow it and enjoy it. I didn't have to, for example, Google things while I watched. I totally followed, which is rare. Give yourself more credit. No, it's rare for a show like Star Trek. Usually you have to look up facts. Yeah, I will say there were even references I didn't get, but I knew they were references. But like you said, you can still follow along just fine. For sure. All right, Beach. where can people find and follow along with more episodes of the Pilot Podcast? They can always go to our website, thepilotpodcast.com to find a list of all of our episodes. And if you want to check out more exclusive content, subscribe to the Pilot Podcast Deep Dive by going to join.thepilotpodcast.com. Thank you to our deep dive subscribers. Our first episode is up. It's a review of a Black Lady sketch show. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at the Pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, show suggestions, feedback, questions, your weird fantasy dream hallucinations, a la Picard, to ask the Pilot Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. 